Hey, it's Kirsten. Do you feel like you're spending way too much money on supplements? When I started out on my health journey, I was also shocked about how expensive high quality supplements were, especially as I was upping how many I was taking. That's why when I became a practitioner back in 2018, I started offering my clients a way to save up to 25% off many of their supplements through a company called Wellevate, which is spelled W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-E. Through Wellevate, you can order many of the supplements that you're already taking, like Pure Encapsulations, Gaia Herbs, Enzymetica, and others at discounts of up to 25% off retail. And shipping is free for orders over $49 within the United States. The only way to buy supplements through Wellevate is through a practitioner, and I will earn a small commission at no additional cost to you while you're saving money. So if you want to start saving upwards of 25% off your supplement bill, go to the resources page on my website at carefullyhealing.com forward slash resources and go to the Wellevate section. You don't have to be a client, just set up your account and start saving. Thank you for joining me today for episode three of the Quest for Healing podcast. I'm Kirsten Ramstrom, a certified holistic health coach. Whether you're just starting out on your health journey or you're farther down your path, I've created this podcast to inspire and inform your health journey through, first, some extraordinary healing stories from real people, second, an exploration of some intriguing healing modalities, and third, through conversations with enterprising people who are making a difference in the health of our world. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to Mimi Vladarchik, a personal and private chef who's focused on the medical medium way of eating. If you're not familiar with medical medium's work, in a nutshell, the style of eating focuses on a higher proportion of plants like fruits, vegetables, and leafy greens, and eliminating things like dairy, eggs, and gluten. The holiday season is right around the corner, and I understand the challenges that we can face when sharing meals with our family and friends, when many of them don't eat the same way that we do. Mimi's here today to talk about how to prepare for upcoming holiday meals by giving us some easy-to-make recipes, along with some suggestions for how to think about converting family favorite recipes. Now, she does spell out some recipes during this episode, but don't worry, I've got you covered and have listed all the recipe details in the podcast show notes on my website, carefullyhealing.com, so you do not have to scramble and write anything down. I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get to it. Mimi, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Of course, it's my pleasure to be here. Uh, first, I wanted to have you talk a little bit about your background as being a private chef. What was your inspiration for going to cooking school? Well, I always loved to cook. And as a child, I would cook up a storm in my mom's kitchen and dirty every pot and pan. <laughs> and I <laughs> continued loving to cook. Um, all throughout my, my 20s and 30s. And um, I was an artist and I did numerous type of things. And uh, in about 2005, I decided to, I was working at a university and I decided that I needed a, a life change. So I um, had a career, career change mm-hmm. and uh, decided to go to cooking school. So I went to the French Culinary Institute in New York City. Oh, fantastic. And I never wanted to cook in a restaurant, although I, I did. Uh, mm-hmm. I always, my intentions were to be a private chef from the very beginning. I found that very exciting to, to be able to do that. Uh-huh. So what does that usually entail? Is, is that 
just doing private cooking for families or what is private, what does a private chef generally well, do? Well, there's per- personal chef and then mm-hmm. private chef. Um, sometimes the terms are interchangeable, but a personal chef means that um, I, I can cook for a, a few different people and I come to their homes once or twice a week, prepare food for them, leave it in the refrigerator, freeze it. And as a private chef, then I'm just working for one client. And I may cook for them every day or every other day or live on premises or not. Okay. And so how long were you doing that? Well, I've always primarily worked as a personal chef. Um, I've had a few few clients. And I guess for the past 15 years, on and off, I've, I've been doing that. Sometimes I specifically work for one family. Other times I work for different types of people two or three times a week. I may have two or three clients. Um, so it, it, all, it would always vary. Yeah. And do you have a specialty of the types of foods that you like to prepare or the types of clients you like to look for? I've always focused um, on healthy cooking. And since I became a follower of medical medium lifestyle, that's the only way I cook now. So for my clients now, I cook medical medium compliant food. Okay, great. Oh, that must be great. It would certainly, I think we all would love to have somebody who would come to our house <laughs> and cook for us. Me, me too. Yeah, because sometimes it does get a little involved. Um, but I really appreciate you coming out here today because one of the things I wanted to talk about, it, you know, we're coming up on the holiday season. And that is one of the times that I have personally found can be challenging when trying to think about uh, what kind of things that I want to have for holiday meals with, you know, it's not often my food is just feeding myself and eating my medical medium way, but holidays, it's often bigger groups of people. And while it's 2020 and our groups may be a little smaller than other years, hopefully everybody is going to have a chance to celebrate their holidays with others. And so converting some recipes and having some other ideas of what to have at the holidays to eat, I think is a big question that lots of people have. So I'm glad that we were able to have you on today to talk about some um, cooking ideas, some recipe ideas for the holidays. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think about um, holiday meals like Thanksgiving, you know, I wanted to just sort of hand it over to you to jump in with some of your suggestions of what you think might be um, helpful ideas for people. Alrighty. So having healthier options, it's, it's very easy. You can, you can actually look at a lot of your standard recipes that your family uses and loves and, and you can adapt them to make them healthier for you and using ingredients that are cleaner. So that's, that's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got some suggestions. Would you like to hear some? Oh, I would love to. I would All love right. to. So I, we all love sweet potatoes. I know that. So I I've definitely got a, do. I've got a really nice uh, idea for uh, sweet potatoes, a pecan and maple sweet potato dish, which is super easy to make. You know, you just need about three medium sweet potatoes and you scrub them well and cut them into wedges. Uh, a couple of teaspoons of ground cinnamon, two tablespoons of maple syrup, some, some good olive oil, a bit of salt and pepper, and about a half a cup of uh, pecans, either halves or, or, or broken pieces. Mm-hmm. And um, super, super easy to do. Just turn your oven on to 400, preheat it, cut up your sweet potatoes into wedges, 
put them on a baking sheet that's lined with parchment paper. And you also want to use a parchment paper that's unbleached. So, you know, that brown, that sort of brown color parchment paper. Is the white stuff chemically bleached? Yeah, probably to okay. get that white color. So yeah. um, it's just healthier to, to use the unbleached and there's no chemicals on it. So I would totally suggest that. Okay. So you just put your sweet potato wedges on a baking sheet that is covered with parchment paper. You're going to add the cinnamon on top of that and a tablespoon of the maple syrup and give it a, a, a nice little glug of olive oil. And you're going to just mix it up with your fingers and you uh, spread it out so all the wedges are coated. And if you want, you could, you could put a very light sprinkle of some salt and pepper on it, but always use sea salt. Okay. And you just roast them for 45 minutes and they'll get very tender and delicious. And you might want to check about halfway through. Uh, you could turn them if you want. So you get them a little crispy on both sides. Oh my God, that sounds so good. You're making my mouth water. <laughs> and while, while they're, they're roasting, you want to take your pecans and you want to mix it up with about a tablespoon of maple syrup. And you can put them on top of the sweet potatoes. Wow. And roast them mm -hmm. for like another 10 minutes until the nuts are golden and crunchy. So this way you get toasted nuts on top of your caramelized sweet potatoes. And so the idea is to just sprinkle those um, nuts on top of it right before it's done? Yeah, exactly. So okay. about the 40, 45 minute mark, you would just sprinkle those on top and give it another five, 10 minutes longer. Oh, heaven. And the nuts will get golden and crunchy and the sweet potatoes will be soft and gooey and delicious. That sounds fantastic. It makes me think of like the yam recipes we used to have. Much better than candied yams with marshmallows on top. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It was shocking to me how many things we used to have at Thanksgiving that had marshmallows on top of them. Yeah. Um, Awesome. Well, that sounds like a fantastic suggestion for a side. I think I'm going to have to make that this year. That sounds amazing. And I've got another great idea for um, a very healthy side. Uh-huh. Um, roasted whole carrots. This is another super easy recipe to make. Okay. And um, you just need those, not the baby carrots that you buy already peeled in a in a bag. I actually call those carrot fingers because they look like little fingers. <laughs> they sort of do, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> those are not baby carrots. Those are regular carrots that have just been whittled down like that. But, okay. Uh, you can buy these lovely uh, multicolored carrots. Have you seen them in the I store? have seen They're those. They're small and they come in orange, yellow, and white colors. Did you know that carrots originally were all those colors? And it, there was a Dutch hybrid grower that changed it just to orange. I did not know point. that. Wow. Yeah, I, ha I just heard that. I mean, I have to look up the history, but I heard that. that there's purple carrots too, aren't there? Yeah, there's purple, there's a yellow, there's white besides orange. But you can buy these, these really cute little small carrots and they mm -hmm. still have a little bit of the tops on. Mm -hmm. I've seen these in the store. Okay. Yeah, they're great. So I'd say about about a pound, pound and a half of these little carrots. Mm -hmm. It should be about 16. And some olive oil. Again, some good maple syrup, about a tablespoon of maple syrup, a teaspoon of cumin, and a teaspoon of cumin seeds, and a teaspoon of paprika. 
I actually like to use a little smoked paprika, a little Spanish smoked paprika. Nice. And you want to use four medjool dates, pitted and roughly chopped up. Okay. And so in a preheated oven of 425, you want to place the carrots on a rimmed baking sheet lined with parchment paper. And you're going to drizzle a little bit of olive oil over them, maple syrup, the cumin, and the cumin seeds, the paprika, and salt. And you're just going to toss them around to make sure everything's evenly coated. And you can do this with your hands or you can do it with a, a, a wooden spoon. And then you're going to roast them for 30 minutes and give the carrots a good shake halfway through. All right. You're going to take the baking sheet out of the oven after 30 minutes and you're going to add the dates and use a wooden spoon and mix that in Mm -hmm. and return it to the oven for another 10 minutes. And the carrots will be golden, sweet, and delicious. And they'll be a little wrinkly, but that's how you want them. Okay. And, And those carrots were all chopped up, right? No, no, we, we roasted them whole. We roasted them whole. Oh, right. excellent. Okay. Oh, that. Okay, you're like killing me now. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get a little creative with my dinner tonight. My mouth's watering. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, did you have any other suggestions for some of the? I know at our Thanksgiving dinners we always have a million different side dishes. That's sort of the joy of our Thanksgiving dinner. If I'm going to do two. Nice sweet sides like that, the roasted potatoes and the, um, the roasted sweet potatoes and the, and the roasted carrots. I always like to have a lot of greens to complement that. Mm. So what I'll do is I'll just steam some greens, either kale and spinach mixture. I like that together. I might throw some peas in there, um, maybe some shallots when I'm roasting them because I'd like to have something that's just nice and clean like that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll use that as a base and then I'll put the sweet potatoes on top of that. Oh, that's a great suggestion and a great way yeah. to get some more greens into your meal. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also love steamed string beans, the French string beans, the haricot verts. I just love those. I think they're so crunchy and delicious and elegant looking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know it's funny that green beans can look fancy, but those always do. And because we've got all that richness in the potato, in the sweet potatoes, and in the carrots, I usually like to keep things plain. But if you want, you can give a little glug of um, some nice olive oil. Um, I like to add raw garlic to things, quite honestly, because mm-hmm. um, I like the flavor. So I might just chop up one garlic clove really, really fine. Mm-hmm. And to and to put it on, but if you find the taste of raw garlic um, too strong, then you can saute it very quickly. Okay, okay. So one of the favorite items at our Thanksgiving dinner is always potatoes, regular potatoes, mashed potatoes. Mashed suge- potatoes. Yeah. Do you have any suggestions for making that a healthier version? Well, what did you usually do? Mom would usually put mind? butter and milk in there. <laughs> and sometimes cheese on top. And then, of course, the sli- the little slices of pepperoni. Slices of pepperoni? Slices of pepperoni, yeah. I'm not quite sure where that one came from. I will tell you it was good, but my goodness, I don't eat that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. I've never heard of pepperoni. It might be a Massachusetts thing. 
Maybe, yeah. I mean, I'm from New Jersey, Taylor Ham country. All righty. So, uh, so let's talk about making some vegan mashed potatoes. Fantastic. It should be... <laughs> Which would be very easy. And, and instead of the butter and the cream, um, you can just use a bit of olive oil and some, and, and use uh, Yukon gold potatoes, which are very creamy to begin with. So you'll be surprised that the, they're so naturally creamier than mm. russet potatoes, which people usually use to make mashed potatoes. Okay. So that's what I would suggest. I'd suggest using... Um, Let's see, for about four servings, mm-hmm. you would use about two pounds of golden Yukon potatoes. Mm-hmm. And I would just cut them into one-inch pieces so they cook faster. Now, mm-hmm. I like to leave the peel on, but that's me. So it all depends. If you want to peel your potatoes, go right ahead. Mm-hmm. I sort of like the roughness of, of having the peel on it. Okay. Um, so you would just cut up the potatoes into one-inch slices uh, pieces and uh, put them in a large saucepan and cover the potatoes with water and then uh, bring them to a boil over high heat, reduce it to medium, and about 15 minutes should do. And you just take your fork and you, you try to pierce it with the fork until there's no resistance. So it's just okay. an easy way to do potatoes. Now, other people like to steam their potatoes. So you can get out your steamer basket and put your potatoes in the steamer basket and steam them for about the same amount of time. So that's up to you, however you prefer to do it. It's a bit healthier to, to steam the potatoes. Okay. But if you really like to boil them, then boil them. Okay. So once the potatoes are cooked, I would put about... I'd say three tablespoons of olive oil and one large shallot. I'd chop that up into some nice small pieces. And and I would just saute the shallot in the olive oil until it starts to bubble and that the shallots get a bit golden brown. Mm -hmm. So then I would just uh, spoon out the shallots from the oil. There might be a little bit of oil left, but you want to just get most of the oil off and I would um, just so they get a little bit um, less saturated. Okay. And I would put those off to the side because I'm gonna I'm gonna put those on top to make it look a little festive. Ah, okay. Okay. And once the potatoes have done cooking, I'm gonna use a little bit of the cooking water in the potatoes instead of milk. Oh, great. Okay. Okay. Because that potato water has a little bit of the starch in it from the potatoes mm-hmm. and the, the flavor of the potatoes. So then I'm, I'm going to mash the potatoes with, with, a, with a masher mm-hmm. or a wooden spoon if you don't have a masher. And I don't like to make them all smooth and creamy. I'd like to have that rough texture to them. So I, I usually use a wooden spoon actually okay. to mash them up. And <clears throat> at that point, if you want, you could add a little more olive oil and a little bit of the potato water until you get it to the texture that you like. So I would just add, I would get a tablespoon and I would just add about a tablespoon. Okay. Of Great. Each until the potatoes are nice and smooth and I taste them. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I would put a little bit of um, sea salt if you'd like or, or um, some... Some people like to use ground pepper. Other people don't. So it's your preference. And then I would top them with the little shallots that we made. 
God, that sounds wonderful. I would also put some garlic in there because I put garlic in everything. (laughs) And garlic's so good for us. Yeah, It's so good for you. So I put my garlic in raw because I like that taste. But again, you can, you can saute it. You can saute it with the shallots if you like. And because you're, you're using those Yukon gold potatoes that it'll be very creamy and a little bit of that potato water that you, that you cook the potatoes in, you'll be surprised. Fantastic. You won't miss the butter or the cream at all. Excellent. Well, now can we shift a little bit into what might be my favorite part of holiday meals? Sure. Desserts. You, you had a cake recipe that you mentioned to me that I thought sounded awesome as well. Oh, the banana and raisin cake? Is yes, that the one? That? That's the one. I think that's a really nice cake to have around for the holidays because you could eat it as breakfast as well. And it's one of my favorite cakes to make. For the ingredients, what we need is two tablespoons of coconut oil. We need four overripe bananas. So you want to get the bananas that have the little dark spots on them. Three and three quarter cups of um, rolled oats. You want to get some applesauce, about about 12 ounces of applesauce, um, a tablespoon of ground cinnamon, two teaspoons of vanilla powder, if you have that. And if not, you could use a vanilla a gluten-free, alcohol-free vanilla extract. You can. Uh, we also need to have some coconut sugar, about a quarter of a cup of that, and about a cup of raisins and two tablespoons of chia seeds. So in an oven preheated to 400 degrees, you're going to take the coconut oil and you're going to oil the inside of a nine-inch round cake pan, or you can line it with parchment paper, whatever you feel you'd like to do if if you want to be on a lower fat side of the cake. You're going to mash the bananas up with a fork inside of a bowl, and you're going to take take that oatmeal and you're going to grind it up into a flour in your food processor or your Vitamix. The reason you want to grind your own oat flour, it's going to be fresher if you do it, and it's also much less expensive to make your own oat flour than it is to buy it already made. And not all supermarkets will have oat flour. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a great suggestion. Yeah. And so you're going to add the oat flour and the coconut oil to the bananas and the rest of the ingredients. And you're going to scrape that batter and you're going to put it into a pan and bake for about 15 minutes or until the knife pokes, you know, have you, do you know how to test a cake to see if it's done? You could do a toothpick. You can do it with a paring knife. They also sell something called cake testers, which are basically, um, it's like a, a metal wire that you put in. Okay. So it doesn't make much of a hole. So it's thinner. It's about the size of a darning needle, something like that. But a toothpick will work or okay. the tip of a paring knife. So you want to make sure that comes out clean Okay. to make sure it's fully baked. Mm-hmm. And then you're just going to let it cool for, for a good half an hour. Now, some people may want to put a little icing on that cake. So I have an idea to, to ice it as well. Okay, awesome. That's, you, I, that's my favorite part, of course. All right. So <laughs> you can, again, two overripe bananas. You want four um, dates, which are pitted. Um, some more vanilla powder, a teaspoon of that or, or the extract. Uh, another two tablespoons of coconut oil. Two tablespoons of almond butter. And a half teaspoon of cinnamon. And you're going to mix all that up. 
until it's totally smooth. So you can do that in the food processor or in the Vitamix. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to put it in the fridge to set for about 20 minutes because you want it to get it a bit stiffer. Otherwise, it's not really going to spread on the top of the cake very well. And once your cake is totally cool from the pan, you can spread the icing on the top. Yum. And you can decorate it with, you can do some nice patterns with some more raisins or some slices of bananas. Sounds heavenly. Like for, for Christmas morning, we usually have sort of special breakfast. And this sounds like a wonderful idea for that special breakfast. Well, it's very indulgent and you're getting your oatmeal and your bananas on top of it. Right. I was going to say, if you put all these other things on top of it too, like bananas and raisins, you're certainly getting some of your fruit in as well. So that's great. Well, what's nice is this cake only has about a quarter of a cup of coconut sugar. Otherwise, the sweetness is coming from the bananas the applesauce and from the raisins, mm-hmm. oh, which are wonderful. all good sources of glucose. Excellent. Okay. Now the, my other favorite part of this discussion, talk to me about pies. Pies are such a tradition in our house for the holidays. My mom, my mom would spend days making pies before the holidays. Do you have any suggestions for what people can do if they, if they want to have some pies for their um, holiday meals? You mean like a, like a pumpkin pie? Uh, yes, absolutely. Pumpkin pie like is one of my favorites. Pie? All right. Well, this is actually the pumpkin pie I'm going to make this year. Okay. And it's a vegan pumpkin pie, which is grain-free and oh, gluten-free. So fantastic. Because I'm, I'm both. So for my crust, I like to use um, blanched almond flour, two cups. And two tablespoons of coconut sugar and a quarter of a teaspoon of salt, two tablespoons of coconut oil. And I'm going to use a chia egg. Have you ever heard of a chia egg? I think that's, it's where you just, you mix up some of the um, chia seeds with some water, right? And it'll congeal and make egg type goo. Well, I actually like to grind that chia seeds. Because oh, that's an interesting approach. Yeah, you, I feel that if you grind it, you don't get those those little bubbly things. You know, like the, the actual seeds itself. Yes. So you get a smoother texture for a pie crust. I would want a smoother texture, and or I could actually use a flaxseed egg as well. Mm-hmm. I would do the same thing. I would grind the flax seeds. So to make a flaxseed egg or a chia egg, you're going to take a tablespoon of ground chia seed or ground flax seed and mix it with three tablespoons of water. And you're going to let that sit for about 15 minutes. And you're going to see that it gels. It gets much, much thicker. So what we're doing here is the egg is acting as a glue. So this is what this is doing. So the chia seed egg or the flaxseed egg is acting as a glue to hold everything together. You know, I love the idea of grinding that. I've never thought of doing that before. And it does seem like it would make it much smoother. And for pie crust, that sounds like such a much better solution. Mm -hmm. For the filling, we're actually going to be using some cashew seeds for this. To, to give it richness since mm-hmm. we're not using any dairy, no cream or eggs or anything there. So we're going to take a cup and a third of raw unsalted cashews and we're going to soak them. We're going to soak them. You can do a quick soak with some hot water for about 20 minutes mm-hmm. or you can just put them in water 
and put them on your counter for overnight. And you okay. want to drain these. We're going to use some maple syrup again, which is my favorite thing during this, this talk. As soon as fall hits, maple syrup time. <laughs> I so just bought a it. huge thing of maple syrup today. I'm with well, you good. on that. You're going to need it for this recipe. So <laughs> you're going to need one cup of maple syrup because that's our, that's our source of sweetness here. Um, two tablespoons of coconut sugar. You one can of pumpkin puree. And two to three teaspoons of pumpkin spice. Now, you could use a little more. I'd like to use a little more. I like things a little bit on the spicier side. But I, uh, and also, we're going to add one teaspoon of vanilla extract and make sure that it's alcohol-free and gluten-free. Okay. And, um, two, and some salt, some sea salt again, about not half a teaspoon of, of sea salt. Mm-hmm. And if you're the type of person who likes to put whipped cream on their pumpkin pie, you could make coconut whipped cream. And we can talk about that. Oh, later. I would love to know how to do that. Yeah, it's uh, it's a nice one. All right, so we're going to preheat the oven to 350. And you're going to make your crust. So you mix all your dry ingredients together, and then you stir in your wet ingredients. All right, so once you've, you've done that, you want to combine them. Mm-hmm. You can use a food processor and pulse, or you can do it in a bowl with a, a wooden spoon or a um, pastry cutter, however you like to do it, all right? So, and then you're going you're gonna to pulse it until a, a ball forms, and you can use your hands at this point to, to press it into a ball. Right. So you're going to press the crust mixture up the sides and over the bottom of a nine-inch pie plate, and you're going to set that aside as you prepare the filling for the pie. You're going to blend all the filling ingredients in your Vitamix, which is a high-powered blender, or in a food processor mm-hmm. over about medium speed for about a minute or two until it's completely creamy and there's no lumps. You're going to pour the filling into your pie crust, and you're going to bake it for 45-50 minutes or until the top starts to look a little bit puffy and has turned brown. At that point, you're going to check to make sure the middle of the pie is done. So you would take your toothpick again to see if it's all runny or if it's firmed up. You may want to cook it further depending on your oven. And um, I, I would probably give it another 10 minutes and check it again. And if you need a little bit longer, another 10 minutes. So you can do that in 10-minute increments. Awesome. The pie is still going to be a little soft, but it's going to firm up as it chills. Good to know. Yeah, so if you're gonna let you're gonna let that cool for about two hours at room temperature, and then you're gonna refrigerate it for another couple of hours. So this is best made the day ahead, just like you said your mom would make the pies days before. And and this pie will keep refrigerated up for two days, and then you can freeze leftovers if you'd like. Okay, and how do you make the whipped cream for it? So we're going to make some coconut whipped cream to put on top of our pie. Yay! And it's one of the easiest things to do. <laughs> okay. So what you need is a can of full-fat coconut milk, mm-hmm. right? And you're going to refrigerate that can. And you're going to refrigerate it overnight because mm-hmm. you want fluffy whipped cream. So it needs to be refrigerated. It needs to be cold. So once you open it, you're going to separate the cream off the top. 
And that's the thick, the thick, yeah, loopy stuff. The thick, solid cream should be separated from the top, and there should be the coconut water on the bottom. So you want to spoon out this luscious coconut cream, and you can use the coconut water for a different recipe. You can put in your smoothie. That's usually what I do. Mm, that's a good All call. Right? Mm-hmm. You can also buy something that's already called coconut cream. Here's a quick tip to make sure that your coconut cream comes out really fluffy is if you're using a glass or a metal bowl, you want to put it in the freezer for about 10 minutes. So it chills. Oh, interesting. Okay. All right. So you want to, you want to have everything as cold as possible. You want your coconut cream cold. You want your bowl cold. Don't use a plastic bowl or a wooden bowl for this because it's, it's, uh, it would be better, but if you don't have one, that's okay. That's okay. okay. So, when you're ready, you're going to take your whisk. You could actually, um, this one is hard to do by hand because it's a lot of work. So if you have a, um, a mixer mm-hmm. or a stand mixer, this would, be, this would be a good thing to do on medium speed for about one to two minutes until the mixture is really, really fluffy. If you desire this to be sweet, then at this point, you know, you can whisk it up and then you can add a bit of sweetener to it. You could use a little bit of coconut sugar, a drizzle of honey, a splash of maple syrup, Mm -hmm. or um, a tiny splash of uh, vanilla extract if you'd like, if you want it to have a like a vanilla, more vanilla flavor. Okay. There you have it, coconut whipped cream. It couldn't get easier. That sounds fantastic. So if people are looking for some more inspirational ideas for their holidays, do you have any websites that you like to look at? You know, there are so many out there and there are so many good ones that it's really hard to pinpoint the few that I could talk about today. But what I suggest is what's your favorite dish? What's your favorite recipe? Stick vegan on the front of it and see what comes up in a a search. And you'd be surprised and they'll come up, some different recipes will come up. And so what I do is I I look at two or three of them and I see which one I like the best Mm -hmm. and which one has the cleanest ingredients. And, and I'll see, oh, well, maybe I can change this one a little bit, or maybe I can do that to, to, to one and fiddle with it. I think that's a really good suggestion. Like over time, that's something that I have tried to do. And the holidays is, is such a big time for that. We have a, um, we have a family favorite recipe that was a casserole of artichoke hearts and, spinach and i think there was some so- sort of cheese cream sauce in it and last year i wanted to make that for thanksgiving and i got online and started googling around and found something that was similar and made some substitutions in it and i will tell you no one at thanksgiving dinner realized that that was a vegan and gluten-free dish and it's it amazing. turns out fantastic yeah, I've I've done that many many times. People have no idea they're eating vegan. Uh, I I do a lot of soups. I do a lot of cream soups for people that have no cream and they can't believe there's no cream in them. It's just a, a base of pureed vegetables and potatoes that tastes really creamy and delicious. So yeah, you'd, you'd be surprised what you can make. Yeah, it's amazing that there are people out there who create some of these websites and they've tested them. Like you read some of the stories behind the recipes and they're like, well, I tested this one 12 times before I got it right. And I tested this one a million times. It's like, well, thank goodness. Cause now I don't have to do all that testing work. <laughs> well, fantastic. Well, Mimi, these suggestions today are absolutely amazing. You've inspired me to get in the kitchen now. 
Um, I'd love to make some of these. My mouth's been watering the whole time we've been talking. So uh, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. You are most welcome, Kirsten. And I had a wonderful time talking to you about recipes. I hope you've enjoyed episode three of the Quest for Healing podcast and were able to find a few suggestions that will make your holiday prep a little bit easier. As a reminder, all of the recipe details are provided in the podcast section of carefullyhealing.com. Make sure you hit the subscribe button because next time I will be featuring Evelie Grenemeyer, who is a certified intuitive emotion code and body code practitioner to talk about the importance of emotional support during your health journey and how emotion code and body code can be an effective and efficient way for you to release emotions that have been trapped in your body for years or even decades. I look forward to having you join us. Thank you so much for being with me here today. Hey, it's Kirsten. Before I started out on my health journey, I didn't know how poisonous many of the cleaners I used in my home were. Then when I started trying to clean the toxins out of my body, I started to question if the cleaners I was using were just adding back more. And how does that make sense when we're using toxic chemicals to get things clean? So imagine how excited I was when I found non-toxic, fragrance-free, essential oil-free Branch Basics cleaners. Now I use them for many things around my house, including scrubbing my kitchen and bathroom, cleaning my juicer, and as the laundry detergent for cleaning my clothes. Plus, it's also the soap that I use to wash my fruit because it's also sodium laurel sulfate-free. So check out branchbasics.com. Their starter kits make it so easy to get started and you can use my code carefullyhealing, which is all one word, for 15% off your purchase. And because I always want to be upfront with you, this is an affiliate link, so I will earn a small commission if you buy using my code. But I only recommend this product because I love it and use it myself. So if you're ready to start cleaning your home with a healthier cleaner, go to branchbasics.com.